God's presence is here with us. You experience God's presence through your neighbors, actually, through the people that are here, that God's hands and feet are in this space. Through the music, we hear God's God's glory and God's goodness, and we experience more of God's presence through that. And today, I'm so thankful that my dad uh, has come. He always helps us here with the ministry at Highlands Church, but he's come from Sacramento for his second sermon, and uh, and his not final, hopefully, but you'll come back again. <laughs> but I pray that you also would experience God's presence as we listen to God's word here today. And so I'm so thankful that he's had 50 years of ministry experience of serving, and there's a depth that he brings and a, and a perspective that is so good for us. It really sh- refines us and sharpens us and helps us to open our eyes to new things about who God is. And so would you welcome him as he leads us into prayer and, and into the message? Thank you, James. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are here present. For you have said where two or three are gathered together in your name, you're there in their midst. We ask, O oh Lord, that as you are present, that you will bring also your Holy Spirit They'll open our ears to hear and your word that we may ex- experience it and, uh, and then live out your good and glorious will. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, band. What a good band. What a great band that is. And uh, yes, indeed, they sort of bring us in and up to the Word as we even sing the Word. And those are um, many of the songs that are going to apply today in our, time, our message. And Jamie, James, welcome. Uh, thank you for the invitation to come and to preach. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to participate with you in the life of Highlands. I, I was here um, at James's ordination or in, installation. I was here also um, somewhat one of your first services here in Paso Robo. So I feel like I'm a part of you. Uh, it's uh, I, you know I, for you fathers, I hope you have an experience with your children that I have with mine. Uh, James uh, calls occasionally. I call him occasionally. And we talk, well, ministry. Uh, he says, you know, Dad, there's uh, things happening at Highlands. What do you think I should do? Well, what about this? What about that? It is just such a, a, a unique opportunity and a, and a real pleasure for me. Um, we're going to look at a text this morning from um, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome uh, about what is unique about Christianity. What makes it different? Because the Christians in Rome were really under persecution. The the Romans persecuted the Christians because they thought they were Jews. The Jews persecuted the Christians because they weren't Jews. And the poor Christians were getting crushed between both. And, uh, And so Paul writes this letter to clarify what does it mean to be a Christian. And before the text we look at this morning... Paul is outlining some of the major issues, and now he summarizes it in our text. And then after our text, the rest of the book of Romans, he says, and so what? So let's take a look at what Paul the Apostle writes here in the Word of God. And I'm going to be reading from the third chapter of Romans, beginning with the 21st verse. Listen to the Word of God. But now a righteousness from God 
apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. The law and the prophets, that's Old Testament, whatever, in the Word of God. This righteousness from God, righteousness, that means to be right with God, righteousness. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He does, did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice to the present time today. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Who gets the credit? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? Nope. But on that of faith. For we have maintained that a person is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there's only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, the Jews, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law powerful text that Paul gives us here, a text that tells us a lot about God and maybe even more about ourselves. For in the 23rd verse of this reading, the Apostle Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, not like just some or most or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what is it that all are falling short of? What is this glory of God they are short of? That glory of God is the glory that God created in every single man, woman, and child. That God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything God made, he called very good. In the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, we read, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. God created a perfect world, a perfect universe, a perfect cosmos. And into that, he placed the perfect human being. And there were no flaws, no errors, no what-ifs. That was the glory of God. And everything that God created reflected that glory like a mirror. And God called it 
very good. Psalmist put it this way. He said, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you should care for him. You made him little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. Now that is counterculture in America today. That is not a common conviction because our conviction is that we really aren't perfect. We are so far short of that. And if somebody claims to be perfect, we go, ah, wait a minute. I don't think so. Let me point out why I don't think so. And then we be, proceed to expose all of the errors uh, and flaws in their character that we see. Some, some religions believe that, that nobody is human until they've lived for a certain amount of time to prove the point. I mean, and some of you parents will know what I'm talking about. If you've got a little, little tiny bean, you're going to oh, is that really human? I mean, it can't talk, can't walk, can't feed itself, can't change its diapers. I don't know. Maybe if they work at it, they could get to be human. And so we teach them. And we teach them. And we teach. Some religions say it takes more than a lifetime to get to be human. Uh, and that's why they believe in reincarnation. Christianity does not believe in reincarnation because... It believes we are already perfect. That's something you work towards. That's something you dream after. It's something you are. God created it in your DNA. You were born with this. It's not something you should say, hey, am I good or what? No, of course you are. God made you that way. When, uh, when James and I came in this morning, we turned on the lights. We, we pushed a button and da-da, the lights come on. We didn't go, whoa, is that amazing or what? In fact, if the lights didn't come on, we would go, now that's a problem. We've got to figure this one out. When we got in the car to come to church today, I turned the key on the switch. The car went, we went down the street. We arrived here. We didn't go, now is that really incredible? I just can't believe this. The car went, oh, what, look at that. Now we go, of course, it's a car. It's supposed to do that. If the car would go, I'm not starting for you today. I'm sorry, you're going to walk. We go, there's something wrong with that car. Let's call the tow truck. Let's get this thing fixed. It's broken. We, we, we have certain expectations. When I, when I take out my cell phone and I dial a number and I talk to somebody a thousand miles away, I don't go, that's amazing. No, I go, of course, it's a cell phone. And if it isn't doing that, there's a problem. I go down to Verizon and go, hey, fix it. When we are not performing in the image of God, the perfect showing the glory of God in all we do and say and think, there's something broken. There's something not right. We don't get credit for being perfect because God made us that way. And so when we aren't, that should be a sign there's something wrong. There's something broken here. But that's counterculture. Because our culture says, first it just denies it. Because no, 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 no. You're not. You, you really. You're, you're not broken. You're just normal. I mean, if somebody really messes up, 
the saying goes, well, after all, I'm only human. And the Christian should say, yes, and that's exactly the point. That's why it's a problem. You are human, and then you said this. That's a problem. Because that's human is the glory of God. God's image on this earth. That's what God made us to be. And the world goes, oh, no, it isn't. You ought to be normal. And normal is messing up. That's normal. And then the world also, when it isn't in denial, or when it is, it also is in ignoring that which they say, well, yeah, we're supposed to be this way, but we aren't, but that's not a big deal. I can live with that. That's not, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And, and Christianity says, oh, that is a big deal. Don't worry about it. Something's broken here. There was a Peanuts cartoon, cartoon strip with Lucy and uh, Charlie Brown. And Lucy and Charlie Brown are talking to each other out in the playground. And, and Lucy says to Charlie Brown, she says, you know what the trouble with you, Charlie Brown, is? And Charlie Brown puts his hands in his pocket and looks, starts walking away and says, no, I don't know, and I don't want to know. Leave me alone. And then Lucy hollers after him as he disappears. He, she says, the whole trouble with you, Charlie Brown, is you won't listen to what the whole trouble with you is. We are in ignoring, kind of like, it'll go away if you don't look at it. It's not that bad. I don't know anybody that's really perfect. Except at funerals. I've had a lot of funerals. And uh, it kind of goes like this, kind of like, oh, yeah, Uncle George, everybody liked him. He never had an enemy in the world, you know, never said a bad word about anybody. And we go, who are they talking about? You're not talking about Uncle George, are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Uncle George. Well, I don't remember that about Uncle George. Yeah. We want to kind of paint that picture, but we know it's not really true. I mean, you also may say, we, we, we say you know, well, like, okay, I do think that are wrong, but it's not that big a deal. Not that bad. I haven't murdered anybody recently, and I haven't stolen anything, nothing big. So, okay, so let's just move on. And God says, no, uh, moving on isn't an option. Uh, moving on is ignoring the reality of the situation. There's two realities here. The first reality is that I'm created in the image of God, showing His glory. And the second reality is, eh, and I'm not that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, said the apostle, wrote the Apostle Paul. He uses two athletic images here. Actually, these are two words, two different words, meaning the same thing. It's called an hindiati. And the first word is, is sinned, hamartano. Hamartano is to, is to fall short. It's, it's a, image, a word used for shooting arrows at a target. And you shot the arrow, and the arrow missed the target. I think if we were writing this, Paul was writing this, this letter today, I don't think he'd use shooting arrows as an I illustration of, of falling short. I think he'd probably use golf. Uh, I was playing golf last week. 
And uh, a couple of guys, uh, four guys said, uh, we're going to go play golf. You want to play golf with us? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not that good. But he said, yeah, I'll, I'll play golf with you. So we went out. I wanted to get to know those guys better. So we went out and got on the golf course, and there the first tee is. And, and, and I'm standing there in front of my ball. I'm going to go, oh, man, Don, don't screw up. Just, I mean, just, just put the ball on the course, just somewhere out there. And I'm going, oh, man, I hope I don't mess up. And I, and I, and I swung, and the ball went straight down. And, and they're going, whoa, he's good. And I go, yeah, yeah, I, I'm really good. I'm really, I, I do golf. I just do golf. I know it comes naturally. <laughs> well, then I came to the second tee, tee it up and going, hey, I'm good. And I'm going to really nail it this time because, you know, I didn't shoot it that far. It was straight, but it wasn't that far. I'm going to cream this ball. So I'm standing up there and I'm going, okay, you're good, Don. You're good. You're good. And I swung the ball went 45 degrees off, in the, off, off into a canyon that, and disappeared in this beautiful grove of poison oak. And I'm going, oh, man, I'm so embarrassed. I'm just like, oh, uh, can I have a second? Uh, and I did take a second, and it was worse than the first. I mean, at least I got the ball back. I, did, I topped it and just kind of dribbled, didn't even make the next tee. That is hamartia. That is sin. That is falling short. That is not what you were created to be and do. That's not how you play golf. But the other word, to fall short, is, is a word, uh, hysterio, which means um, to, you're losing the foot race. There's a, there's a, there's a, a line up here, and you reached. We want to reach it first, and you're not. You're way behind. You're losing the foot race, and Paul says we're all losing this foot race. We are all shanking the ball, and and then he tries to point out how is it that we do that? I mean, how is it? What's that look like? We know what the glory of God is, that the glory of God is the glory of, of generosity, the glory of, uh, of, of helpfulness, of caring, of love. It's a, that's the glory of God. And, and, and somehow we're not there. We're not doing that. And he says, well, let me show you what that looks like. Because he says, you know, there's no such thing as, as, as little sins. Sin is sin is sin is sin. You're either on board or you're off. You're either with God or you're not. Uh, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like being pregnant. You can't be like partly pregnant. It's like, are you or aren't you? And are you with God? Are you in tune? Are you showing the glory of God or aren't you? So there isn't any little things that are like, well, I wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah, it was, because you said no to God's law. Let me just say a word about law, God's law. God's law is what are, are the basics of, of what God made the world to be. Uh, so he says, here's how it was done. Here's how it works. I have a brother, Jim. And um, Jim is really good with his hand making things and stuff. So he was at one point unemployed, and um, he, he worked on a dredger out in, in Pittsburgh, out in, the, out in the Delta, and then he was unemployed. And so we'd go in and wait, you know, and they would put jobs up on, the, on a bulletin board, and they always stated uh, what requirements they were. And 
He waited and waited, and he'd go up and look at a job. No, they didn't qualify. They don't qualify. And then he said, he just finally got fed up. He said, I'm going to take the next thing that shows up there, no matter what qualifications it requires. So he went up there, and there was this thing. He took it, address, phone number. He got in the car, went out to this place, and he says, uh, hey, I'm for this job right here. And the guy says, oh, okay. Um, well, I'll show you. So he walked him out to this big uh, warehouse, and he opened the door, and he showed him this steam shovel laid out all across the floor in a thousand pieces. I said, so what'd you do, Jim? You're hearing about steam shovels. He said, I know. He said, hey, you got a book on this? He said, yeah, yeah, I think this went in a drawer over there. So Jim said, I got out there and I read the book for the rest of the day. I said, well, so how'd I go? He said, well, I got it together. Well, the law, the book, is this one. How do you put life together? Well, read the book. This is how it's put together. That's the law. Now, it isn't so like, oh, you have to do this. No, you get to do this if you want to put it together. And so God gives us the law. The problem is we've got the book. The problem is we're not reading it real well, and we're not doing what it tells us. That's the law. And so what Paul tells us is not doing it looks like this. It comes into two bits. One bit is the sin of commission. That's the things we do that are breaking that image God created in us. Um, we say, well, I don't do anything really bad. And, 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 and from all the standards of our culture, I'm sure, I'm probably sure that you don't. But Jesus said, you've heard it written, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Anyone who's angry with their brother is subject to judgment. And anyone who calls their brother raka, puts down their brother, is answerable to the law. It's in the book. Do you know anybody who's ever been angry with their brother or sister? And Jesus said, you have heard it written, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully or a man, has already committed adultery with them in his heart. Do you know anybody that has looked at another lustfully? And Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your, and love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Do you know anybody who has not loved their enemy? And Jesus said, be perfect, even as my Father who's in heaven is perfect. Why? Because he made you in his image. Be perfect, even as my Father in heaven is perfect. Do you know anybody who's not perfect? And then, and then, the, then Jesus says, and then there's this sin of omission. The things that we should do or say and that we don't. The very glory of God is not just simply not doing bad things. The very glory of God is doing all the things that glorify God. 
And Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about a man who's on his way to Jericho, and he's, he, he's stopped, he's beaten up, he's robbed, and he's left along the side of the road dead, or appearing to be dead. Down that road comes a Levi, best man in town, got a good reputation. And he sees the man along the side of the road, and he continues on down the road to Jericho. And then along comes a priest, and he looks down on the side of the road. There a man is, looking like he's dead, and he continues his journey on the way to Jericho. And then a third man, a Samaritan, the enemy of Jews, sees a man along the side of the road, and he stops, and he picks him up, and he takes him to the next town. This is what I would find amazing. And according to Jesus' story, he pays for his medical care. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Doesn't even know him. And Jesus says, and of these three, which one's the neighbor? Now, you know that story to be the, the good Samaritan. I like to embellish that story, and I think it fits. So the priest and the Levi arrive in Jericho. At the gates of Jericho, they're met with God. God says, huh, did you guys screw up today? And I'm going to hear the priest go, no, 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 no. Hey, I've been worshiping. When I got up this morning, I had a prayer with you. Don't you remember that conversation? And then before breakfast, I was reading the Bible, and I read, oh, I read an extra chapter just because I wanted to make sure I had it right. And then after breakfast, I had prayer with you one more. In fact, right now, I'm on my way to a church meeting in Jericho. How can you say I messed up? And God could say, do you remember that guy along the side of the road on your way to Jericho? You didn't stop. But that's why I sent you down that road. That's, not, that's why I created you. I created you to be a stopper and to be a helper. And that's not what you did. So each one of us can see ourselves in the apostles' phrase, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because God doesn't grade on a curve. Everyone. But God's expectations are very great. I like that, although I find it intimidating, but I find it also hopeful. Because to know that God has created in me His very glory and that I am to display that gives to me a hope about myself, never an opportunity to despair. Why? Because God gives me His glory through Jesus Christ. My sin is for real, but so is His glory, and so is Jesus Christ. And what God does in Jesus Christ is, He doesn't say, okay, I didn't see it. I know you screwed up, but I didn't see it. Nor does God ignore it saying, oh, it's not that bad. No, God says it was that bad, and I did see it, but I forgive you. I give you back your, the glory I gave you from the beginning of time. It's yours again. Now live in my pleasure. In two weeks, Reverend Baird is going to lift up a cup and he's going to say these words from Jesus. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for the remission of your sin. Take, drink all of it 
For this you do in remembrance of me. That's the restoration of God's glory in you and in me. The restoration of his glory even in the world. When the grape is crushed, the juice from the grape is not the destruction of the grape, but the glory of the grape. The glory God would give and show in you is yours in Jesus Christ through believing in Him, accepting what He has already accomplished for you. It's called grace, God's grace, charis. It's the surprise, joy, gift. Surprise, surprise is God created His glory and that's not what we live each day. And the surprise is Jesus restores that glory in you. Surprise! Joy is to live the way God has made and created you to be. That should not be the exception, but the rule. And the, certainly the expectation, it's the expectation of God. It should be our expectation. A gift, it's a gift from God to you and me. For Paul not only said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, he also finished that sentence. Righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That is our nature. That is who we are. And in Jesus Christ, that is to what we are restored. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. You know it. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in my ear. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, may the sounds from our voices be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear as they reflect again and again your glory 
a glory you have created within us to be displayed through all that we say, do, and think. Oh, may this new week be a week filled with your people praising you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We're about to receive your tithes and offerings. Now, why do we receive money in worship? It's because that's who we are. That's in our DNA. We are givers. We are generous. Why? Because God is a giver. He is generous. And it's His glory He would display in all that we do. So let us receive your, glory, your, God, your gifts and your tithes at this time. Thank you.